hello, welcome to another episode of Glee on the Rocks. I am Emily. I'm Mandy. And today, for the first time, we have a, uh, a guest host joining us for the recording. I could not be more excited. Hello, I'm B, longtime listener of the pod, longtime <laughs> refugee of the Glee fandom. Uh, I joined Mandy and I were talking about this earlier. What year was that, Mandy? Uh, 2012? Yeah, 20, I think I did join, like, we were talking earlier about, like, when we got into it. I think I did kind of start getting into the fandom between the seasons. Yes, right. I remember us talking about this a long time ago. Yes, you got into it between season two and three. I got into it like halfway through season three. Mm-hmm. Mm, you're late. Yeah. Late, very late. People used to tell me all the time, they'd be like, you would love Glee. I was in show choir in high school. That's another thing. Um, but That's yeah, why you're like, here. Exactly. They're like, <laughs> you would love Glee, blah, blah, blah. But I never watched it. That was before streaming was big too. So there was no way to like go back and watch old episodes easily. Yeah. But um, I started watching it, loved it. And then I started watching season three live. And then I was like, I want to know more about this. And so I remember I started like on Pinterest, like pinning memes. <laughs> memes. Oh no. And I know, right. That's when Pinterest was real big. 2012. God bless it. And then I found out about Tumblr and I was like, Oh, this is where the party's at. <laughs> so I made a Tumblr and the rest is history. And that was when it all went downhill. It all went downhill. Glee was like my first big fandom and pretty much the only big fandom that I really was involved with on Tumblr. So I did the whole shebang. Yeah. You know what? I mean, I think Mandy's had more uh, on Tumblr fandom experience, but Glee was my first and only fandom that I was actively involved in on Tumblr because I was so burnt out by it that I couldn't. (laughs) It really was an experience. That was enough. There are so yeah. many other shows and things that I want to be like involved in and invested in. And I just have to like do it from the sidelines because I can't, I can't do it again. I mean, there is a lot to be said for doing it from the sidelines. So I, I might actually recommend that. Yeah. I'm just a masochist who throws myself mm. into everything. That's fair though. And we love that about you. And we do. So we're going to have you on this episode. Um, and I guess we're going to see how many others that we can get you on um because it keeps me from talking through the whole thing there was there was a part of my life where i would not shut up about glee um very (laughs) embarrassing old facebook statuses come up where i was Mm. talking about glee Uh, i was just the most embarrassing person in fandom at the time so i'm really happy to make this full circle jump to like verbally processing that with you guys (laughs) i've had some legendary youtube videos though i'm not gonna gonna like talk more about them in case you don't want to divulge that but listen we can because my partner knows about them and she thinks they're hilarious <laughs> but that's yeah if you can tell them then you can tell anyone <laughs> that's we right have, we could have an entire mini episode about some of the subjects that be covered in her youtube videos years ago we can yes i kind of i, I was gonna say i invented that's so like <laughs> so narcissistic not invented but i was definitely like one of the only, like, I'll put my face out there and I'll talk about Glee and I'll say what you guys are thinking, but you won't say out loud. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Embarrassing. I was never going to. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to hide this face the whole way through. <laughs> Do you still go through your Facebook? Like, I go through um, Facebook memories every couple of days mm-hmm. and just delete. And delete? I didn't think about deleting. Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> you can go through and just delete status updates and shit that you are embarrassed by i really really should 
but you know, for posterity, um, they're That's there. True. So That's maybe, true. maybe we'll do a dramatic, we could do a mini episode of me dramatically reading all the dramatic <laughs> Facebook status <laughs> updates I made about That would Google. actually be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> okay, great. I'll keep them just for that. Maybe, maybe Emily and I can find a few old Tumblr posts. Perfect. Oh, just, no. just to, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, just peak fandom cringe. I would love that. Oh, it's so, so sad. subscribe to our Patreon if yeah. you would like to roast us for our former selves. <laughs> they or could commiserate. Yeah, they could submit their like cringy old fandom things. I would dramatically read those too. Hell yeah, anonymously too. Like we're, we don't need to yeah. out you for anything. Yeah. We'll just send that anonymously. Love that. We're just and gonna start a Glee on the Rocks anonymous <laughs> for any recovering fans. Yeah. Rec- Glee on the Rock. It'll be t-shirts. I love it. Secret handshake. Well, I guess we can't have handshakes right now. No. There'll be secret elbow bumps. Perfect. Uh, So I guess we should actually talk about the episode at some point because we could do this all day. We could do this. You're right. All right. Well, this is uh, season three, episode two of Glee, uh, titled I Am Unicorn. It is the 46th episode overall and premiered on September 27th, 2011. So pre your involvement in fandom. Apparently. Um, I'm going to read a much shorter uh, summary of this episode because our good friends, the Glee Wikia, just went to town and I I don't have time for that. So (laughs) uh, Netflix's um recap of this episode is Shelby Corcoran returns to the halls of McKinley High. Meanwhile, Mr. Schuster initiates a boot camp for some of the members of New Directions. Um that's it. And I I appreciate the brevity, but also which storylines this thing wanted to highlight. Shelby yeah. and the boot camp. Nothing else happened. Nothing else happened in this episode according to Netflix. Hmm. So, um I guess I'm going to say that the best way we're going to get started today is, uh, B, thoughts, feelings? What did you think of this episode? And have you rewatched any of the other episodes up to this? Like, So when I listen to you guys on the pod, you really paint such a picture. Um, <laughs> I, when I was deep into my days of Glee fandom, these were the seasons that I liked. So, you know, we know yeah. what's coming in season to come. So this was really kind of peak Glee. Um, so these are the seasons I kind of used to rewatch probably or like obsess over, talk about a lot on Tumblr. So I feel like I, a lot of it came back to me very easily, mm-hmm. which is my, maybe disturbing. Um, but no, it's okay. I feel the same way sometimes of like, oh, I, I remember this. Yeah, like it's kind of cringy that I remember it. Um, but this was a great episode for me to be on because I am a huge Kurt fan. Kurt was the reason I got into Glee. Kurt was like a big influence on my like growth as a young queer person. Mm-hmm. And this was like such a like just Kurt Kurt storyline, I guess, according to Netflix, is not A or B, but it really stood out to me as, you know, the shining part. Like he's just he looks good. He he did interesting things. He had a solo. Like this is a yeah. Kurt Lover's dream episode, honestly. It is. And uh, for it not being in the Netflix recap, it really is the A or B storyline. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah, the campaign yeah. storyline. Yeah. It's the campaign. It's the audition. It's like what happened. The episode is named after it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I think that's just 
that's gay bashing from Netflix, and we don't need to stand for it. Homophobic. Agreed. It is. Um, Yeah, so I guess we can just kind of go through some of the big storylines then, and we might as well start with Kurt, because Mm. as much as uh, Adina Menzel wants to lead this episode, her shit is just not that important to me. (laughs) I, I would love to care more than I do, but as someone who is not a Kurt stan, I did like this episode for Kurt. Because I thought there was a lot of stuff in here that I was like, yes, that's what I want to hear him say to people. That's what I want him to stand up for himself about. Yes. Um, so I was, I agree. This is a good, like, a good Kurt episode because, I don't know, even as a Kurt stan, don't you, sometimes his episodes are not that good. There's a lot of, like, um, sadness porn. I don't know what the right yeah. term is for that. With Kurt. Like, they want to see him cry. They want to see him hurt. Like, they want to see him lose because Chris is just such a great actor and he does it so well and yeah. he just sings the ballad so beautifully. And, like, to see him, you know, go through something that's kind of tough but really come out triumphant in just, like, one episode is pretty mm-hmm. amazing. I can't really Perfect. think of many storylines where Kurt gets that. So I don't think he does get that. You're right. He actually, like, he never gets to, you know, quote unquote win like that. Yeah. And he, he really doesn't by like changing his mindset, just being like, oh, like I am good enough. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. For, for the character on the show who really got a lot of the like positive press during and after about like gay characters on TV and queer characters on TV and then storylines that are really important and matter, it's usually Kurt. Right. And for, even though he gets all of that, he does get such depressing storylines so often like is that just ryan murphy taking it out on chris or is that ryan murphy like processing some shit from his childhood because it feels like maybe a little bit of both i would say a little bit of both i also feel like ryan murphy maybe has a little bit of a victim complex himself Mm. and kurt was his self-insert character he kind of wanted to be like people were mean to me exactly yeah we don't then, like Ryan Murphy, if you couldn't tell. <laughs> Seconded. Um, and and the, time that this, the time that this episode came out, too, like, I remember it being so revolutionary that they even showed, like, two teenage gay boys kissing on TV. And this is not long after that. So, yeah. like, the narrative of, like, the sad gay teenager who, like, is bullied it, it was the only real narrative on TV at the time. And I feel like they had a, they had a, a time trying to, like, they didn't really come in radically with Kurt as like, this is going to be a different kind of gay character. He kind of was that like stereotypical mm-hmm. gay teen at the time. And then they allowed him to be happy over time. Um, so I feel like they kind of hold on to that too. Like they're like, no, being gay has to be hard. It has to be sad. Yeah. yeah. Not, not to be like too predictable here, but like, I really think the fact that Chris and Darren hit it off so much that their storyline became so central is a lot of why any like of the good storylines Kurt got happened to him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like if there if there had been no chemistry there, I think they probably would have just sent Blaine to the curb pretty quickly. Yeah, or right. just like sidelined it as like, yeah, Kurt has a boyfriend, but we never see him. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. He goes to another school, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I just can't show any of that, that stuff on TV. Just uh, imagine it's there. Exactly. But, uh, Darren got popular and sold a lot of songs on iTunes, and Ryan Murphy had a boner, and then suddenly Kurt and Blaine got to be on screen together. 
Also, speaking of Blaine, I know we probably weren't ready to talk about him yet, but I wrote down, this was at the end of the episode, I was like, he literally had three speaking lines in this whole episode, but then got a full song solo. They did not cut it. It was the whole song top to Mm -hmm. bottom. The power that Blaine has. Three lines, full song solo. Ridiculous. Watching this, like, the first time around, I never understood the Blaine hate. I was like, what is wrong with you people? There's, like, a talented dude participating in a show about talented people what is your fucking problem and now re-watching it what, 10 years later you're like oh i get it he just kind of took over the whole show <laughs> didn't he they were like we're Sorry. giving it this color damn it we gotta sell those itunes I know. Like, <laughs> like oh sorry about that we did win didn't we it's emily we saw those eyelashes that's what it was it was the eyelashes in that song, it was. and we just heart melted that was it that didn't even close up at the end there and everyone was like yeah that's that's the show now he yeah. deserved that mm-hmm. this is what we get not sad about it but it sucks to anyone who was a fan of literally anyone else on the show <laughs> sorry mm-hmm. all i do is win <laughs> i just i'm not gonna hide that I love Blaine. And it, that's tied up with a lot of other shit that we can get into in one of our mini episodes. Very true. Where we speak a little more openly. Love that. Not that we're shy here. There's just stuff that we try to keep separate. Um, yeah. So Kurt gets a couple major storylines all tied together. He is running for student body president. And uh, Britt has offered to help him with his campaign. He is also auditioning for the lead in the school musical, uh, for better or worse. I, yeah, this was good. Yeah. So his, um, he doesn't, his, his campaign for student body president, he does not want to come across as too gay, which I think we can agree is a little hard for him. (laughs) Like, everyone in the school knows. He's never really hit it before. Um, but I also get, like, you're trying to win over uh, a small-town high school. Like, not, Pete Buttigieg didn't win the campaign, now did he? Like, Yeah, it was really interesting, because uh, it was almost a measure of myself, like, 10 years mm-hmm. ago, and now, too, because I remember watching this episode and being like, Ugh, that's a little much, like, that's a little over the top, and me now, I'm like, yes, rainbows, yes, quality flag, like, <laughs> yes, no hate, like, all these references, like, I love it, I, I literally wrote, like, I unironically love all the gay shit, like, yeah. that's, I have more rainbows in my house now than I ever would have as like a 17 year old, 16 year old in high school. So that is kind of a good marker of how times change and how people Mm -hmm. change throughout from high school and beyond of, yeah, he wasn't terribly comfortable with the, uh, the gay diddly gay, gay, gay at the time. Mm -hmm. But then later he's like, Hey, fuck it. This is exactly who I am. And I think that's something people needed. It's a little bit like the shift in location makes sense with that, like not to jump too far ahead, but where Kurt ends up in the show Mm -hmm. geographically, Mm -hmm. um, right? I think would cause a lot of growth like that. Very true. Leaving very important. (laughs) That's probably also where New York City is every day. (laughs) (laughs) I left. I don't. I don't have anything to do with anymore. It's fine. It's a little less gay now. 
just a little darker, a little sadder. Just it's a little more locked down. Yeah. Um, <laughs> those poor people. Um, so that's one of his main storylines. It is combined with him auditioning for Tony um, in West Side Story. He sings, I Am the Greatest Star by Barbara Streisand. Well, I miffed because I'm the greatest star. I am by far, but no one knows it. Wait, they're gonna hear a voice, a silver flute. <laughs> They'll cheer each toot. Hey, I heard it's terrific. Hmm. <laughs> to try and really masculine it up for this uh, this audition that he is not. We've all. I, I'm not gonna say we've all seen West Side Story, but I'm assuming most people listening to a podcast about. Um, a musical TV show have heard of West Side Story. Uh, Tony is the lead man. Uh, doesn't really scream Kurt, does it? No, not not really. Though I did really love I Am the Greatest Star. Oh, it's great. Yeah. But no, not. Yeah. I I feel like in the song he really is. He did something smart. I mean, you know, Kurt as a if he was a person, not the writers writing Kurt, but in like the scaffolding really did show off like his muscles and like his masculinity yeah. in that way. Like, I feel like that was the most masculine part of the act. Um, not to mention the side swords at the end. I completely forgot the side swords. I screamed. Yeah. <laughs> like, yes. Chris coming out with the challenge. I was like, what? But yeah, um, the song of course is a song by a woman, not from West Side Story. Like, the, uh, it, it did show a lot of range, which I guess is why the character may have picked it. Like, it sounds like an audition song. But, yeah, I, I, I thought that too. I was like, why would you not pick a song by the character you're trying to play? He could have put himself in a better position. Yes, it shows a lot of range. Um, although, as soon as you mentioned the side swords, I was like, Remember how people would get on Blaine slash Darren for Blaren? <laughs> right, I right. Had, and that's so forgotten. Yeah. I had forgotten how often there would be times when it's like, is this Kurt or is this Chris? But remember, Glee is not a documentary. <laughs> not a documentary. I wrote that down, Mandy. I wrote that down. Glee is not a documentary. I yes. thought it like four times this episode. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It's really the key to um to the entire show, I think. It, yes. Just remembering that. And there's other shows that embrace that. Like Parks and Recreation is my favorite TV show. And every single character in that show is basically the actor. Like mm-hmm. Aubrey Plaza, um, Nick Offerman. Like they are, you know, they, they, they overlapped them on purpose because it brought more life to the character. And, you know, the, like Glee, they just like didn't own up to it. They didn't. And I, I, we can talk about why that is like if it was an actor issue, if it was a uh, too gay for Fox issue, mm. if it was like, I don't even know what their real problem became with very obviously pulling in storylines and things that come from the actor's lives and then being like, no, this is just this is a story. Yeah. Like, is it though? This exact thing that you just did right here. 
You really just put pink sunnies in here because it's just the character. Right? They didn't sell <laughs> pink sunnies at the Gap. But it's Glee. There are not. There are sunglasses at all. They really didn't want to live up. They didn't want to lean into the fandom of the show. And I, I really never understood why. Like, they never did. They did one Comic-Con. Maybe two. At least one. Yeah, they, they didn't do the upfronts. But listening to Kevin and Jenna's podcast really reveals how little the actors were yeah. interested in that sometimes. Mm. Which is, like a shame because other shows do such a good job at involving their fans but maintaining the distance like mm. I don't know why they were so terrible at creating a sense of fandom and community like we had to do it ourselves there wasn't there wasn't anything given to us we kind of just had to create it which uh, didn't really work out for the show did it like so many of the things that fandom came up with they were like no we don't want that like well too bad even the good things fandom had to like shove in their faces like the uh yeah. parody stuff like the boxing project yeah. yes like fandom literally had to be like look we will give you money for good causes yeah like, just you give us the fucking... <laughs> yeah like you don't even want to you don't want to be a part of this at all no great and then like my my go-to um comparison for glee when it comes to their interaction with fandom is like supernatural mm. who have been doing conventions three times a year for 15 fucking years and even if the actors hate it they hide it yeah and it makes everyone feel more involved and that show has been on for 15 seasons <laughs> that is always my thought is like how come some shows are so much better at their fandom than glee and i would really love to talk to we could just do it off the air we don't have to make it public just someone explain it to me yes well because anyway. it, it became like a self-fulfilling prophecy like it was almost like the attitude was like fandom is like whiny or entitled so we're not going to yeah. give them anything so fandom became more whiny and more entitled because we didn't get anything exactly it's like if you were just giving us a little bit like we went crazy off of like one y'all remember that like yellowed it had like a yellow filter on it hallway picture chris and darren oh in suits you know the one from that yep, one episode and we were just like what and it was like the worst picture snapped on ryan murphy's phone and put on with some god-awful filter on it and people yeah. wrote and conjectured and talked about it for weeks like we were not asking for much eventually they did sort of try to take advantage of that with the gleek out right but like even that was done very badly and not as like part of the fandom that's some shit i want explained right there what the hell yes. was gleek out brazil what was that i mean i think we all have our ideas of what it is but yeah i would love for someone to just be like it was me <laughs> like yeah yes and why brazil i did it <laughs> Because <laughs> it's funnier. Like so, Gleek Out France really doesn't have the same. Not as fun, yeah. Not as exciting. But yes, his audition. Oh yes, <laughs> back to that. Um, I could literally not watch the like Romeo and Juliet scene because I knew what oh, was going to happen. God. I just skipped it. I was like, that is. It just didn't seem in character for Coast no. for Miss Pillsbury. Like maybe for Artie, he was kind of a dick at this point. 
Yeah. Uh, and Rachel, like, Rachel just did Kurt so dirty over and over. And here's another case in point where earlier in the episode, or last episode, she was like, we have to play like Tony and Maria. And then she's like basically helping sabotage his audition. Yeah. yeah. But remember, Kurt and Rachel are best friends forever. Like, are they? Because they're terrible to each yeah. other. Yeah. Over and over. And that is just another example. Um, yes. So, Kurt, I appreciate that for once in Glee, a character's um, story throughout the episode are all kind of connected. Like, yes. All of those bits of story are about queerness tied with masculinity and what that means and what it doesn't mean and what it means for him and what it means for his dad and trying to pass or not pass and embrace your sexuality and your presence or not and I appreciated that because so often those kinds of things are like a throwaway um instead of really kind of being explored throughout an episode. Yes. And Bert Hummel, father of the year, ad infinitum. The best dad. And this like. is this is how Bert stayed so good. He shows up for one scene. <laughs> really nice things that we all yeah. love. And then they don't use him again. So it doesn't get like You, you know. can't ruin him, exactly. Yeah, right. <laughs> Bert's just off fixing cars, living his life. Dropping amazing one-liners. Yeah. Like he said, You sing like Diana Ross, and you dress like you own a magic chocolate factory. <laughs> <laughs> and I love, like, I why couldn't Glee have gone with that humor more often? Like, yeah. It's funny. It's not insulting, obviously, because, like, Bert's point is, like, yeah, that's awesome. Own it. Yeah. But it made me laugh. It like, does. Yeah. More of this and less of the Britney's dumb jokes. Yes. Although I did find it interesting at the very beginning of the episode when she says that she wants to be his campaign person, that she recognized that people yeah. um, didn't think that she was smart and that people were laughing her in, at laughing at her in class. Because I think up until now, it's a joke on both sides, right? That like <laughs> Britney's an idiot. And doesn't care or doesn't even notice, right? But it, it and I it, think that's that's why it bothered me so much in this episode because I'm like, well, you just showed that it actually hurts her. So yeah, it does. That literally makes every joke you've made before like just bullying this character. Yeah, that she's. I mean, it's not like she's not aware of the world. Although sometimes they make her completely unaware of the world. Well, this is kind of a but, turning point for Britney's storyline too. Like, obviously, spoiler alert for stuff coming up, but. Um, yeah, she she really d does like take more ownership of like herself and her place in the world in this season. She does. I think Brittany is going to turn out to be in like throughout this rewatch to turn out to be one of those characters that was really underappreciated at the time. Mm. Yeah. Not that everything that she does or anything her stories aren't perfect, but every once in a while something happens like in this episode where you think, "Oh, there's some growth and development and it matters." And it's kind of cool. Except she can't say the word bisexual. She's not allowed. She's not <laughs> allowed. Yes. Well, if she does, she'll poof into oblivion. That's right. So I heard that that was science. Got to keep it real nebulous. You guys have the little sound bite that's like, but it's Glee. You need one for Ryan Murphy. <laughs> Ryan. Ryan. <laughs> that motherfucker. That motherfucker. 
I hope he listens and I hope he knows. I hope he feels us talking about him. Somewhere off in Los Angeles, like his like shaved head just prickled. I mean, he's got nothing but free time right now. He would absolutely settle down with a pint of like vegan ice cream and listen to every podcast that might mention him. <laughs> just Google searching his name. I was about to say, he probably has an alert when he yeah. come up with his name in it. He knows. But it's old school. It's like a Google alert. <laughs> it's RSS I don't know how an RSS feed yeah. works, but I assume something I like that. <laughs> I, I don't know either. That's that's beyond my tech capabilities. Someone write in and explain to us how an RSS feed works. Please explain. Uh, well, tied to Kurt, as always, is Blaine, as it should be. As it should be. Um, you guys, Kurt's locker, when it opened I up know. on Kurt's locker. I know. It's all there. Like the, it, His locker just encapsulates like the Clay fandom. It's it does. the photo... And the courage collage. I, someone needs to explain where that. Would Blaine give him a headshot? I don't understand. <laughs> like the first day you met him, too. Yeah. Yeah. It's the first day. It's like, here's an 8x11 photo of me. <laughs> yeah. Put that up. You don't have Instagram yet. <laughs> I like the theory more that Kurt just stole it from like a wall in Dalton. <laughs> yeah. It's because it's framed. Yeah. They just. Yeah, exactly. It was like. Maybe- Maybe in like the Glee room, they had like a whole wall with the current members. Yep. And Kurt was just like, "Well, he's hot, and I need proof." <laughs> he doesn't go to McKinley, so I need to put his picture up where I can see it. Because <laughs> no one else will believe me that this exists. They'll all think he's from Canada. Well, um, before we talk about Blaine, we should talk about the elephant in the room with Blaine. Blaine's fucking bow tie? <laughs> um, oh, see. <laughs> Only so far in denial. I know. Okay, well, we don't have to talk about it. We all know. No, it's fine. Junior, senior Blaine. Junior, senior Blaine. Well, he's he this <laughs> fucking casually. He's like... Except I'm a junior. It's terrible delivery. It's like, uh, a thousand hearts broke. I know. I love that they had to include that, too, because it made no sense that they actually had to say, like, well, I'm a junior. Like, are you, though? Because you look like you're in college. <laughs> and also, you you aged backwards. To, he Benjamin Button two years because in the first time he appeared, he was a year older than Kurt. And now he is a year younger. How, like... We should get Why into the like um, the timeline of this because you know they the warbler to throw it back the warblers say he's a junior member but does that mean he's a junior in college or he's just not <laughs> a sen- like not a senior member? We never really got the bylaws. Yeah, yeah we need the full <laughs> Ryan Murphy if you're listening. Can we get the full <laughs> bylaws of the Dalton Academy of Warblers does- because? Does he say, like, was he a freshman when he got, like, jumped by that guy? And He never like, says. Doesn't okay. say. Just a Sadie Hawkins dance. So, like, Spoiler. otherwise, <laughs> then that was, like, eighth grade for him. <laughs> I mean, it could have been. Like, which was, I mean, it would be horrible. That would, like, almost even be worse. worse. Yeah. Yeah. It is worse. Don't do that to Blaine. <laughs> he doesn't deserve it. 
Just like he doesn't deserve a bow tie the size of his head. <laughs> the outfit in the choir room just bothers me. All I noticed in the choir room is that they were sitting next to each other. You got to watch it this season because this is one of the only times they sit together. It's the weirdest thing. It is. As someone well, who was know. in show choir with my little boyfriend at the time, fun story, we're both gay now. Um, <laughs> We always sat next to each other, regardless of what was going on. We used to move to sit next to each other, even if it wasn't convenient. <laughs> we can consider cutting this later. But do you remember, um, it was one of, I think, I want to say it's the Michael episode, but it's not the Michael episode, but I can see it so clearly in my mind. Hmm. But maybe it's the Saturday Night Glee Over, whatever. One of the episodes, they're in the choir room. And in the behind the scene photo, Chris and Darren are sitting like on top of each other. And then in the episode, their chairs are like three feet apart. Yes, that, I remember that. Like I can picture his ugly green pants. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. It was one of those, it, regardless of what your fandom is, the idea that the actors are sitting closer together than their characters who are dating. Is it? It's like, what did it's you do? It's an issue. It's, just, it's a problem here. I can't. Was it leave three feet for Jesus? Like, what's going on here? <laughs> we got to start tallying, like, when Finn and Rachel sit next to each other and yeah. when Kurt and Blaine sit next to each other and when, like, Tina and um, Mike sit next to each other or whatever. Like, we need, like, a proof. We need evidence that this is some – there's some shady shit going on. There's something – yeah, it can't just be – I mean, I guess maybe it can just be that it's, like, it's it's too queer for Fox and they needed to sit yeah. farther apart. I don't know. But yeah, it's like the choir room of all places, like the choir room, they should be allowed to sit yeah. next to each other. Yeah, they're not going to like blow each other in the background. That's not going to happen. <laughs> I mean, you don't I know mean, what happens maybe. between takes. That's true. It takes a lot of time <laughs> to between setups. That's why we didn't have any conventions. <laughs> no one could keep it in their pants. No one could. Probably. Oh, anyway, <laughs> probably not. Um, so, uh, Blaine has a couple scenes. He gets to go to booty camp, which for him doesn't mean anything because we all see those sweatpants. He chooses to go to booty camp like a good team player. He does. That's right. He is a team player. Right. Uh, and this is where he reveals that he is also going to be auditioning for Tony. Drama. Boyfriend and boyfriend competing for the same role that clearly only one of them is really cut out for. Um, but, but I guess, you know, I'm such an anti-Blaine at McKinley person anyway that I appreciated that there was some sort of drama that they have to compete for the same role, I guess. I feel like there was, like, a scene missing in the middle, or maybe this is just being in high school and not having a very healthy relationship yet just because you're young. But, like, mm-hmm. they're in booty camp, just, like, in the middle of rehearsal, and Blaine's just like, oh, well, I would, you know, if you want to play Tony, like, I'll play Bernardo or Officer Kupke. Like, mm-hmm. that's fine. And then at the end of the episode, they ask him to read for Tony. He put on his sheet that he only wanted Bernardo or Officer Kupke. Yeah. Did a Tony song. Yeah. <sighs> mistake number one. I, mistake, mistake number one was wearing <laughs> Tony's outfit. That's true. Mistake number two, singing Tony's song. With those yep. damn eyelashes. And when then he put that hair on was like, this is for Bernardo. <laughs> <laughs> Officer Krupke has voluptuous lashes. We all know. 
But like, it really gets people to pay attention to him as an officer of the law. Has to have <laughs> stunning eyes. But like, clearly, there was no conversation in the middle where he and Kurt were actually like, "Okay, what do you want? What do you want? Like, what yeah. does it mean to you to have this role? Like, I don't know." That is a long-standing issue with their characters' relationship, though, is that they are clearly missing those conversations. Like, yeah. can't we just talk about X, Y, or Z? But no, we have to just jump to the fight. Yes. Or whatever the fuck. It's like vague conversation where people don't express their true feelings and then fight. Mm-hmm. Nothing in between. And I don't know. I mean, I know there are Blaine haters out there because they suck. Um, but this motherfucker, who is clearly quite talented and interested in this musical, was happy to just be a second or third lead. Supportive boyfriend goals. Supported boyfriend yeah. Blaine Warbler. I do, I do find that interesting that, like, Blaine was obviously, like, God, I can't use this term without, like, snickering in my head, but he was, like, the alpha and, um, <laughs> at Dalton, and he's, like, trying to figure out his place at McKinley, and, like, kind of, nope, it's just gonna get worse, kind of a little bit submissive to Kurt. <laughs> um, just keep going, I'm, it's gonna dig a deeper hole, yeah. it's great. But yeah, I kind of what you were saying about liking the conflict. I like that Blaine didn't immediately know his place. Like he's got a lot of bravado, but he when does. it came to Kurt, he still didn't exactly know how, you know, much he should put himself out there. Yeah. He's he's trying. Mm-hmm. You know, he offered to go to booty camp. Attention horror self couldn't quite help it. He no, had he to do the song and kill it. And they let him go past 32 bars, so that's not his fault. The whole damn song. <laughs> he did the whole fucking song. Also, he did the whole song while we didn't even get to see Mercedes audition. We just heard that she did. Yeah, yeah. what was that? Why do you have to do Amber like this? Yeah. If anyone deserves a solo, it's her. She doesn't get a night, right? and she's amazing. Like, could we not have cut out some of the Shelby, Quinn, Puck crap and just given it? Just cut the fucking Rachel solo. They're, they're yes. a dime a dozen. We I skipped the Rachel song. I don't skip Amber when she sings. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. And like, again, Rachel doing Somewhere is fine. It's great. It sounds good. But like, what was what was Amber going to sing? She or- can't sing I Feel Pretty. Glee already did that. That's last That's a good cover, though. That was a good one. Can't hate on that one. So good. Uh, that's that's pretty fantastic. Um, and who was she auditioning for? Maria? Isn't that yeah, what she said? She Mercedes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Doesn't even say, but it doesn't back it up. It doesn't say like, oh, actually, she auditioned for so and so. They say something yeah. because Coach Beast is like, I like that. <laughs> She says, oh, like, yeah. I like that Rachel's Jewish. That's kind of like Puerto Rican. And then yeah. she says, like, Mercedes, like, oh, she's also not white. That's good, basically. Yep. <laughs> is that is that glee, like, pointing at their own? We we have non-white actors. They have, a, they have a Latina, though. Santana would be great. Maria, she doesn't even try out for it. I guess she's too cool to, like, be at, at, in rehearsal all the time or something. It's too cool. Who does she end up being? She ends up being just Anita. Anita, that's right. Yeah. This I, I agree from what you said, I don't know, an hour ago or two <laughs> hours ago. Time it is. Um season three really is like It's the season. season. It's the best one, I think. Yeah. I mean, I get Sebastian and I also get Cooper. Yes. Uh, like 
I don't even care that he's retconned the fuck into Blaine's life. I don't care. Who cares? Because he's fantastic. Yeah. It's just, mm, choice. I made a little hand gesture there as if anyone could see that. Was it like, like chef's kiss? It was. It oh, was, yeah. I knew it. See? It translated. It did. Perfect. Um, other stuff happened in this episode. Um, there are two more, I think, key storylines. There is Shelby and her shit and uh, Skank Quinn. Skank Quinn. What are your uh, Skank Quinn thoughts? Skank Quinn pretty. Mandy <laughs> <laughs> has exactly one thought and you know it. Yep. Yeah. The only one. I don't know why I bother asking. I knew. I, do, I like the pink hair. Um, obviously not a fan of the smoking, but... Uh, oh my god, it's so cool, you guys. The aesthetics can stay, but they don't. <laughs> Sadly. I mean, to sum up the Quinn storyline, not, I mean, if we want to discuss it further, we totally can. But I just thought it was the whole point of the episode was like, Kurt is hearing this, like, you can be yourself. It's okay to be yourself. You just have to, like, find the balance. Like, you can be gay and be, like, you know, subdued if you want to or whatever. You just have to figure out where you're comfortable. And I feel like Shelby was kind of telling Quinn that in a way, too. Like, she was like, you don't have to go straight from, like, the, the president of the celibacy club to skank like you can find somewhere in the middle that feels like you and you can be yourself like you don't have to be in this pressure cooker of like I have to live up to people's expectations but then at the end of the episode she literally dyes her hair back blonde puts the cross necklace back on is wearing a white fucking dress like she's the purest angel and I'm just like that that is not what you just went through in this episode that is not symbolic of this whole growth journey you were supposedly on not that it was real anyways but it just seemed very like what I mean we are firmly into Ryan Murphy just really hates Diana for some reason territory and like none of this makes any sense she just always resets like she's just back to like the same person she's always been yeah it does. It's a reset on her whatever growth she may or may not have had. Yeah. Um, it's just bloop. And like the the growths are always like one episode long and just literally never mentioned again. Like that whole tragic history where like she was yeah. bullied yeah. for her looks in her last school and had to change her name. And then like this episode starts out with her like bullying some other little kid. They just sure. keep all the shit sure. on Quinn. Like, she always gets, like, the the wildest storyline. And her character right. never changes. It's just terrible writing. Not that yeah. we expect any better, but... No. Yeah, it is kind of like, we're... Uh, you know when you have, like, a serialized show, like a, a, a Chicago Fire 911 ER, those kinds of things, and they just pick one character mm-hmm. to, like have a car crash or sick and die and have all these just like their parent, like everything that is tragic and big happens to Quinn. Like gets knocked up. Yep. Paralyzed. Like (laughs) Jesus. Yep. And like, I'm obviously, I have a soft spot for Diana <laughs> because she's pretty, but she's not a strong enough actor to make all of the shifts no, in character believable. Yeah. So like, yeah, it's a little hard to watch sometimes. Sometimes. Most of the time. I don't know. I just, I did appreciate, I mean, Mav's not here so we can say all the nice things about Mr. Shu. <laughs> um, 
Oh yeah. I I did appreciate that someone was just in Quinn's face telling her to grow the fuck up. Yeah. Because she really does play the victim. And it it is funny. I mean, I know, I don't know about you, B. We're all old as fuck. And it is one of those like, oh, come on. Like, you're fine. Yeah. No, I mean, Quinn's been through a lot though. So on, on some wavelengths, I'm like, yeah, like I get, well, it doesn't make sense that she lashed out at this point anyways. That's just glee though. I think that's where it comes from. She had a baby at the end of season one, and now it's the beginning of season three, and she's processing just about it. Just because, like, she and Finn broke up, like, but they were always on again, off again. Like, yeah. I, I don't see how that would be this like catalyst to to throw her into this sudden like breakdown that is somehow related to because she has she turns into Skank Quinn way before she knows that like Shelby and Beth are back. Oh yeah, that doesn't yeah. make any sense oh, yeah. to me. Well, like, it could have been a very interesting storyline if Glee wanted any kind of continuity because, like, Quinn's parents yeah, kicked her right. out. I mean, a, a, like, former head cheerleader who dealt with teen pregnancy and and is, like, because she was living with Mercedes. Like, is she Mr. Shu brought that up like, and I was like, oh, way to bring it back. Because he's like, and I never even heard so much as a thank you. And I was like, yeah, neither did we. Yeah. Did she say thank you to Mercedes? We don't know. We don't know. And her parents. Like, watching a, like, formerly very privileged 16, 17, 18-year-old deal with, like, unstable living conditions. And I I don't know where she's buying all these outfits. Hair dye is expensive. But uh, I guess her parents took her back in. But it's not like they ever tell us that. Anyway, if they want give her a reason to have a radical change in like attitude that might have been it hey suddenly Quinn yeah. has to shop at thrift stores and because her parents did come across as wealthy mm-hmm. yeah and just now she... every, every storyline with Quinn is just so two-dimensional because they never like have the follow-through like they don't show that like her shopping at thrift stores like maybe she's stealing things because she doesn't mm-hmm. have any money like maybe there's like something deeper here besides just like I'm gonna misbehave and like try and fit in with this crowd just to see how it feels or whatever yeah. like it just falls flat and they, they did the poverty storyline yeah. with Sam so Correct. like he got a bit more of that dimension yeah. but not Quinn they gotta just keep her like their little whiteboard they can like swipe clean yeah they do they yeah the the, um the etch-a-sketch of her character you just kind of give it a good shake a shake it and back to the beginning yeah Mm. and it's not like it ever improves either never Mm -mm. sorry quinn stands it's just so sad like she deserved better she did like you were saying there's so much in there that would have made for really great television and it just gets glossed over instead of explored She's just like their plot device always. Yep. Yep. The MacGuffin. <laughs> There's a baby. Like, is there? Does it matter? Who cares? I mean, to be fair, that's my attitude <laughs> for most baby storylines. Well, I mean, what about Shelby coming back? Like, how do you guys think about that? Um, I had 100% forgotten that it happens. Um, <laughs> because my memory of this episode was solely centered on Kurt and Blaine. So that when other things Um, happened, I was like, what, did this happen the first time? And I just stoned out? (laughs) Like, 
I also forgot. Like, I remembered vaguely yeah. that she came back, but I really didn't remember any like. Oh, no, I had no memory of that whatsoever. I'm excited for the trouble tones. That's the only thing I said when she showed up. I was like, "Oh yeah, the trouble tones." Yes, they have some great they songs. Some good song. Yeah, they got they got some good shit that's coming. Yeah, um, but yeah, I did not remember Almada and Sugar and the whole shit. <laughs> sugar. It, it, I remember. I mean, I remember I sugar, sugar because I, I did love. Sugar. She's hilarious. She. I yeah. I appreciate her character more now. At the time, I was like, "You're taking screen time away from Blaine." <laughs> Now that you know, Karen yeah. ends up yeah. with all it's of fine. the screen time. <laughs> now that I know how it's spread out, then I'm I'm cool with it. It's fine. Do whatever you want. I'll get him later. Um, well, I love that Shelby comes back and she and Will have exactly one conversation for like a minute, maybe that like just sets up her whole time in Lima and like why she's there. And he asks her like the most pointed questions so she yeah. could just get it all out there. And I was just like, oh, it's just so contrived to bring Idina Menzel back, which is fine. Cause I think she as a person is awesome, mm-hmm. but like they, she duetted with Rachel Berry for like a second. Like, at least give her a solo. They never yeah. do. I know. Why bring this Broadway legend? At least, like, Kristen Chenoweth always got solos. Gwyneth Paltrow got solos. Yes! I mean, multiple! I, I was about to say, like, I would rather have Idina back than um, <laughs> Goop Lady. But, but her like, character, um, Gwyneth Paltrow's character is so much more fun because she actually, like, gets solos and has, like, she has way more, like, characterization than Idina Menzel's character does, which is does, wild yeah. to say. It's wild, especially because she's Rachel's mother. <laughs> yes! And the mother and, like, the adopted mother of Quinn's baby. Like, you can't get any more involved than that. It's so boring. It was still boring, yeah. Which, yeah, is a fucking shame such a shame like how do you fuck that up and then like why bother why cram it into this episode when there's we've talked about this before uh i don't know consistently on this podcast (laughs) about like how the episodes either have way too much happening for one 42 minute episode and then it just ends and there's no continuation of a storyline that really needed a lot more room and a lot more air or nothing happens Yep. There's very rarely an episode that kind of just like flows along and everything gets time to kind of breathe and expand. And this was one like, why is this the time for Quinn's big thing and Kurt's big thing and like all this other shit? Because now we've got, there were only three songs somehow in this whole fucking episode. Yeah, I was surprised when I reached the end. 
No. And it was like, that was not a lot of singing. Yeah, there wasn't even a song for like 10, 15 minutes. Yeah, it took a long time to get to Rachel. Which, you know, we could have seen the other auditions. I feel like as I've been externally processing with you guys that I have seen that like they were trying to parallel like Quinn and Kurt's storylines to an they extent. Were. Yeah. Which is more clever than I thought they were being on first watch <laughs> or even second watch, third watch. But you didn't. Right, I just now noticed it as we were discussing it. So not that well done. It, it didn't. <laughs> to me, so. It's about being true yeah. to yourself and finding your own inner unicorn. And Kurt does it, but Quinn fails at it. Yes. And then that takes them into the next episode storylines. That's probably the most connected I've ever recognized Glee being. So <laughs> Maybe that's why season three is the best season. Maybe. Who who was writing this? Who was trying hard? Somebody. <laughs> Someone was in there. Oh, but also on the subject of Shelby, like, fuck Glee for being, for, like, setting up the storyline, like, oh, she's back in Lima because in New York City she was like, oh, a working mother can't have it all. Like, I, I, I couldn't keep up. Yeah. That's annoying. I, Ryan Murphy seems to have really bizarre ideas about parenting. Mm. And not bizarre, but maybe conflicted. I mean, he's talked about, like, his childhood and clearly he has kids, like, babies now and whatever but there's like none of the parents are just fine the parents are either Bert Hummel or they're Shelby like they're just kind of they're dichotomies of what parenting can be right like Blaine's parents don't even exist most of the <laughs> other characters don't exist but the parents that are there are extremes and I don't know where that I don't know what the point. I mean, this isn't a show about families. It's not a show about parents, but a lot of the storylines include them. So you end up with Bert Hummel, greatest dad on the planet, and then you also get Shelby. Moms can't have it all. Like, well, yeah, okay, they can. And what does it all even mean? Like, what are you even saying? What are you trying to say, Murphy? Well, if we go back to season one, too, so much of season one's plotline surrounded, like, Shu and um, Terry and, like, if yeah. she was going to be pregnant. And, like, there was some of, like, what he was going to yeah. be of a, as a father, like, kind yeah. of threads woven in. So, so interesting. Yeah, it is. The, the things that Ryan Murphy wants to talk about in the show but can't quite do. Right. He never, like, commits yeah. as much as he should have to say anything important. He never says anything profound he like no. wants to and like builds up to it but then like always falls short of like that's because by the time that he gets to that stage he has three other shows in the works and has forgotten <laughs> what he's doing because <laughs> I mean yeah because just thinking you know personally I know we all can think like you can literally feel the point of like quality decline yeah mm -hmm. unless someone out there loves seasons five and six <laughs> if you do you're wrong and if you do we'd love to talk to you yeah yeah i would genuinely by the time we get there love to have some people on the podcast that actually yeah i haven't even seen season six that's going to be the fun part when i went to when i went to netflix to watch this episode i found i had watched all but the very last episode i didn't oh, watch so fascinating um, the only one that I had seen was a um, 
a screener like a week ahead of time of what episode was it? It was one that everyone was super fucking excited about. Oh yeah, it was the elevator. Oh, yeah, I had a screener of that like a week ahead of time because work. Um, so I watched that, and uh, then didn't watch anything else. <laughs> so I was like, "Well, this is weird. I don't know." What that so weird. I mean, I feel yeah. like that was the highlight of the season. So like, hmm. I mean, there's a wedding. It's terribly done, but it exists. I watched, I watched that in gifts, <laughs> as you should. That felt like enough for yeah, that one. It but was. We'll, you know, we'll watch it this time and uh, be appropriately flabbergasted, I guess, by the quality. I love that you guys are going into it basically blind. That's going to be fun for season six. I'm excited. Well, it'll be a nice dichotomy. I watched, yeah, I watched some individual like scenes on YouTube that I wanted I to say, see. I scenes, didn't see the winning, but I missed it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. We know who we are. <laughs> we know what we're yeah. about. And That's right. you should know who we are, too. Um, yeah. I don't know. Do you have anything else to say about this episode? Do you, Did you like it on just like a yes, no? Did you even like the episode? Cool. I liked it. <laughs> I think, I think. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to like right. think how much I want to qualify that. I liked, yeah. I liked the Kurt parts. I, I feel like that's exactly my answer too. Yeah. Like I didn't hate it. The other parts. I really loved the Kurt storyline. Yeah. The rest of it was okay. I felt, I felt extremely uncomfortable when it got into certain storylines because mm, it made me right. remember what's coming. Mm-hmm. And I was like, <laughs> Oh shit. <laughs> I immediately yeah. just don't want to deal with that. And I'm presuming on this podcast, we are not going to spend a lot of time talking uh, about yes, certain storylines. <laughs> Instead, we're yeah. going to focus on the first time. Uh, right? Because <laughs> yes. uh, it's going to be great. Or it's going to be disappointing, but I don't think it's going to be. In my head, it's fantastic. So, yeah. we'll In my memory, it, it lasts for like 30 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <The first> scene. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just imagining that would also be the line of dialogue for Kurt and or Blaine. Oh man, the fandom around that. Mm-mm. <laughs> that would be a very fun trip down There's the some lane. good yeah. shit and some really annoying shit because people suck. Um, do you, I mean, there are only three songs, but do you have a favorite? Uh, I like definitely. I am the greatest star. Kurt Stan too. Uh, Mind something's coming. Something's coming. Don't know when, but it soon catch the moon. One handed catch around the corner or whistling down the river. Come on, to me. Because, you know, Blaine Sam. <laughs> you have to be, you be, true, you to have to be true to yourself is the moral of this episode. You know um, what? In this three song episode, Something's Coming was definitely my second favorite. So <laughs> exactly. yeah. unequivocally. Yeah, yeah, exactly. These were easy to rank. Easy peasy. Easy peasy. Yeah. Um, do you have a favorite line 
that you can recall or wrote down. Towards the the beginning, Brittany just saying, I hate you after Rachel speaks. <laughs> I wrote that down. Yeah. Also, like, obviously, we are providing some escapism here in this podcast. Yes, I wrote that down, too. Shortage. It was too real. It was. It was too yeah. relatable. What timing. Yeah, this came out years yeah. ago, but too still soon. too soon. <laughs> How dare you? Um, I wrote down Coach Beast's line. Um, in college, I was in a funny thing happened on the way to the forum. I played the forum. <laughs> yes, that's the Coach Beast so, I want. That's that's the one for me. Um, you guys took a lot of mine, but I have two. So Artie said, I've developed my entire persona on conflict avoidance. And the way he said it just killed me. Um, and, then, <laughs> and then after um, Kurt says like, I feel like I might as well have a big neon sign above my head that says, you know, gay, diddy, gay, 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 gay. I mean, you'll need a long extension cord, but I love it. <laughs> That was great too. Yeah. That's another version of Britney that I like. Just her like, oh, yes. yeah, okay. We can with, the, yeah. with the snappy one-liners, I love yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. And we already did the, uh, dude, you're gay. You sing like Diana Ross and dress like you work <laughs> in a chocolate factory. Beautiful. Yeah. So good. So good. Um, I think for the first time ever, I have a least favorite line and it's Blaine saying, <laughs> and that's when I threw, the, I threw Netflix out the window. <laughs> it's just unnecessary drama like that's all it is it is that's true you know glee can't write a relationship unless they're breaking up and I getting know. back together or there's some yeah. other external yeah. challenge like yeah it's not just like developing a relationship between two people it's that there's conflict um well our kevin McHale scale i mean he's directing the, the he did play, he so he songs, but was that like a a two and a half. Yeah, I'm gonna say a two, two and a half. Yeah. For being given um, a personality, he wants <laughs> to be a director. I guess that's yeah. that counts now. And and a yes. couple of good lines. He got to speak in this episode. <laughs> yeah, that's a yeah a bonus more than Tina Cohen Chang can say. So, oh, Tina or Mercedes yeah. or Mercedes. Um. Well, the claim decks. Ooh. There was no making out. That's a bit. But there were several out. scenes where they were together talking and like Kurt was like watching him audition with that very beautiful fond look on his face. Yeah, he was. He was jealous, but he was proud. Yeah. Yes. That, so I don't know what you're looking at, like a six? Yeah, at least a sixer. Yeah. A sixer. This is one where they get negative points for there being times they probably should have kissed but didn't. Mm-hmm. But I, it was very cute. Maybe yeah. We should start ranking our <laughs> bitterness scale for things. The shoulda, coulda, woulda scale. Shoulda, coulda, woulda. Is yeah. it out of what, a hundred? <laughs> yes. Is a hundred the most shoulda, coulda, woulda or the least? Uh, oh, the the most that were the most know. bitter, right? We're the most bitter. Okay. Most this one was like definitely in the 60s, 60, 65. Like, yeah. I, I feel like the Quinn storyline ball was dropped like... Kurt and Blaine should have had at least yeah. one more conversation. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And okay. If I was more of a Quinn stan, it'd probably be higher. That was some <laughs> bullshit. Sorry, Quinn stans. Sucks for you. Sucks for yeah. Quinn stans a lot. Yeah. They really got a bad, bad rap. I'm trying to think of anyone 
got it worse in this episode, but I definitely think Quinn was the yeah uh, the most fucked. Oh, over there's one to pick in every episode. One. Who is the what most fucked over? Who? <laughs> The recap is just going to end up being lists of things that happen. <laughs> That's fine. It kind of is, yeah. Makes it a little it's, more structured. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess when and, and then whatever. and then Kurt for the Romeo and Juliet audition. That was some uh, shit. Do you think? Yeah, no, I just I totally I did, skipped yeah, that too. David, like I knew coming, and I was yeah, like, do you no, think that I can't do this Chris? myself. The life is hard I, to probably. They always make them act out like yeah. their worst insecurities and fears. It's a really does. Torture. Absolutely. Psychological torture. Yeah, this was probably something that Chris told someone at some point during uh, like lunch or something. Was like, oh, I just really would hate to audition as like a mask, you know, or some sort of comment. Uh, yeah, for the Glee is not a documentary moment. He was like, I got to pass this straight to play the classic roles. Like he said that to Bert. I was like, yeah. 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 Just just put Chris Colfer's insecurities just right right on screen for everyone. Cause that's what a, a showrunner does. It's good TV. It's good TV. Good TV though. Especially for their basically a teenage brand new actor who was only Literally. outed because of the show. Oh, that's a whole mini episode. <laughs> Talk about Chris. He was so brave to come out. Like he he didn't. He was outed. Yeah. The bravery came came later. <laughs> yeah. He was literally a baby. Yeah. Don't do that to people. Well, I guess that's this episode. <laughs> do you feel it. like you were a unicorn at all? Mm-hmm. You are our first guest, so I guess that makes I do feel like a unicorn, you know? Yeah. I, I don't know exactly what that means. What did mm-hmm. um what was Brittany's description of a unicorn? She was like Well, when a pony does a good deed, he gets a horn and he, he becomes a unicorn. And then he poops out cotton candy until he forgets he's magical. And then his horn falls off. And I I feel that. I feel like I pooped a lot of cotton candy all over this podcast. Great. That's perfect. That's no, really this what is, we're looking for. <laughs> this is honestly so much fun. A pleasure and an honor. Yes. Um, and it was interesting to watch Glee again. Um, like I said, I haven't really been watching as I've been listening to you guys discuss. Um, but... Season three, like, is actually a good one. I'll probably watch along and listen along. A little along. more of it. Yeah. To do remember feel, when things were simpler. Do you get, like, the cringy feel watching it? Or do you kind of have, like, a nostalgia? Because sometimes I have just, like, a deep nostalgia for certain scenes that will happen. Or, like, a song where I'm like, oh, that was good. I think my cringe instinct with Glee is more about myself and less about mm-hmm. the show at this point, mm-hmm. for sure. Maybe in later seasons it'll be more about the show. Um, Did you identify like, more with it at the time? Yeah, like I feel like uh, not to be too uh, sappy, but Glee was yeah. really an important time in my life, and it imp- yeah. came into my life at an important time. And I hate to see what became of it at the end. Um, I mean, the cultural legacy is gonna endure no matter what. It just broke ground that like monumentously. But I mean. <clears throat> Kurt Hummel was really the first gay person I knew coming from a small town Mm -hmm. in Alabama. Like the first like out gay person, like really getting to see their like life and stuff. Like it was just not safe to be out in my high school. Um, And then, like I said, since then myself, my little eighth grade boyfriend, you know, several other people have come out um, that I went to high school with. And I just, I felt like uh, I started watching Glee and like really getting to know Kurt in like college and getting Mm -hmm. to know myself all at the same time. So like these storylines, especially like seasons one, two, and three really are, 
I think still special to me in a way I didn't appreciate until I watched, especially this episode again and thinking like, Oh, like it's really powerful to see a gay teen character accepting themselves over and over again on Mm -hmm. TV and like affirming themselves and other characters affirming them and it not being easy, but them like following through and like appreciating that that's what makes them special. I I just think it's so much richer than other, other storylines the show also purports, but (laughs) those ones still resonate with me. Like this one resonated with me a lot in a way that I didn't anticipate before I hit play. So it was interesting to watch it now. I think we definitely, as the kids might say, slept on how important some of these storylines were at the time. Because now our media looks so different. It's not enough, right? Like the queer characters on TV across the spectrum, it's not enough. Right. But we forget that this was 2009 is when it started. Like it was different. TV looked different and it was a big deal to have a gay character who was more than the butt of a joke and then more than like the murder victim. And that. Yeah. And Glee Glee did start like a trend of that being like an okay thing. As much as I don't (laughs) like giving Brian Murphy credit for things um, because of, because of his popularity with Glee, he even though it only lasted a season, he literally had a sitcom about yeah. a gay male couple right. on a network television show. Like, would have been great if it lasted longer than the season, but that does yeah, mean that's it got right. They never got the show, chance so. to ruin the new normal. That's right. It's so uh, that'll be our next podcast. Our our <laughs> sixth podcast will be in defense of the new normal. <laughs> yeah. Um. Cool. Well, this was fun. I enjoyed this. Great. I loved it. Actually getting to like yes. talk to people that I I knew on fandom for so long. Yeah, it's interesting to like be now years later, older, maybe wiser. I was going to say wiser? <laughs> maybe. <laughs> and, and thinking about like why this show was important to us and what we can still like there's still good things about it. Like it's kind of surprising me yeah. as I'm saying it. Like there's still good things that I can take from it and that I can be like, oh, this was a good time in my life and a good thing that was on TV. And yeah. that can't be changed, even though we know it could have been so much better. Yeah. <laughs> the, the flip side of that is yeah. that we can love it and still mock it mercilessly. Yes. We really so like it. Yeah, it really originated the whole, like, you can criticize the things that you love, and that's yes. okay. Like, Yeah. Yeah. I think we all learned that um, through Tumblr and other social media. Like, no, no, we like watching the show, and we hate it. It's the yes. same thing. They occur at the same yeah. time. <laughs> part, of, part of the bonding experience of Glee was hating Glee with other yes, people exactly. that also loved Glee. Exactly. <laughs> Which is what this podcast found a Yes, one hundred percent. And uh, you know, ten years later, the feeling remains. It does. Because we've all been hurt by Glee so deeply, and yet here we are. It is free therapy. Free therapy. It is. I really feel good. Like I just left a therapy yeah, session. I really do. Wow. I, it's like a nice release. It is. Imagine how you'll feel after a mini episode where we talk oh. shit. Where we can really talk shit. I'm so excited. Well, 
that's the point of the mini episodes is um, being a little yes. feistier. Well, I can't wait to come back for as many as you guys want me to because Amazing. I'll talk about shit all day. So <laughs> more often than not, we have to be like, oh, yeah. these are supposed to be mini episodes. Well, coronavirus, <laughs> coronavirus really freed up my schedule. So we're good to go. Anyone listening, wash your fucking hands and stay home. Stay the fuck home. Watch Glee. Watch Glee on the rocks. It's on Netflix. We have how many backlog? Just go listen from the start. We got two full seasons of this already done. That'll take you like what three days to watch and listen to. Yeah. If you really binge. Like, come on. Stay home. Wash your hands. Stop going to spring break. It's not that cool. It's not it's just really not important um great so well uh i guess that's this episode we're gonna call it all right done, bro. um would you like to do the the sign off honor today as our as our guest not like they're honors like we're not special we're not important but like you know i feel honored um great. yes uh and yeah. that's what you missed on glee <laughs> <laughs>